Thank you for tuning into this sermon from New Life Student Ministries. Our goal is to inspire, equip, and support our students and families with biblically rich and God-centered teaching. These messages are meant to be supplemental and not substitutional for our weekly gathering. We hope this sermon is a blessing to you and your spiritual walk. How are you this evening? Let me hear you shout if you made it to retreat this last weekend. My goodness, we had a good time. If you were on grass, Team Green, let me hear you scream. Very few of you. The, probably the worst name of a team in retreat history, but they took the W. Um, hey, if you did not have a chance to make it this past weekend, there's always next year, always next year. But we had a fantastic time. There were a couple marriage proposals, all rejected. Um, nobody's getting married following this weekend. Maybe people found their future spouses after this weekend. I don't know. Only time will tell. Uh, hey, if you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 6. We are going to finish up our last statement in the Lord's Prayer this evening. Of the last six Wednesdays, we have had three snow days. Um, so it has felt like this uh, series has taken an eternity to get to the end to. Last week, we were to hit on forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Instead of pushing it back another week, we recorded that one online. So if you want to go out to New Life Student Ministries on Spotify or Apple or, where, or iTunes, iTunes is where it's at, you can listen to the message that Pastor Victor was supposed to give last week. And tonight, we are going to close with the final statement, the final kind of two statements, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil or the evil one. And tonight, I want to talk to you about how God delivers. Everyone say, God delivers. God delivers. Can you stand with me? Last time we're going to do this in our series, we've opened up with the Lord's Prayer so we're going to go ahead and read this prayer together, Jackson, if we can have that cued and ready to go. I don't know if you need to find it real quick. You can find it real quick. As he's getting it pulled up, here's how this is going to work. We're going to read this with one another. You're going to stay standing. I'm going to pray, um, and then we will be off to the races. So do we have the Lord's Prayer ready to go? Yes? No? Almost there, maybe? Yes? No? Come on, Josh, can we give him a hand? Is Josh back there? Do we not have it? You have it? Wait for it. The awkward moment in between videos and then the awkward moment in between slides. Here we go. Wait for it. Look at your neighbor and say you look beautiful tonight. Look at your other neighbor and say the weather's been... Okay, we have it. Okay, look back, look back up towards the screens. Sorry to put you on the spot there, bro. All right, let's, uh, let's go ahead and read this together, then I'll pray. We'll be off to the races. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, amen. Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight yet again, needing you to speak, needing you to unveil our eyes to the goodness of yourself, needing to reveal to us yet again a little bit more of your heart. So Father, I pray that you would show us the weight of this God statement tonight. God delivers. Would you help us open up our hands, open up our minds, open up our hearts to receive, to receive. We understand that you are the good shepherd and we are the sheep and we need to be led. I need to be led. So would you lead us here this evening, Heavenly Father? Pray that the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts would be holy and they'd be acceptable to you, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And if you agree, can you say amen? Amen. Amen. Have you ever had a relationship, whether it's with your parents, whether it's with a friend, whether it's with your significant other, where you're walking on eggshells and you kind of don't know how they are going to be. You kind of like wake up in the morning and you're like, I don't know who I'm gonna get from you today. I haven't had this in my life more so than when my wife got pregnant, where I wake up and I go, What's going to happen? Let me give you a couple examples. Uh, uh, It was like a month ago, six weeks ago, we were at the gym. We finished walking on the treadmills with one another. We went and we walked a couple miles because that's what you do when your wife's pregnant. You walk on treadmills. It's cold outside. And I said, hey, do you want to go like sit in the hot tub, go chill in the pool when we're done? And she just like stopped. And she started getting sniffles. And she just started crying. And I'm like, what did I do? He's just like, I don't know. I just don't know how I feel. And I'm like, okay, we don't, have to, we don't have to go to the hot tub. We can go home. And it was like, not but like the next day, um, we wake up and I know she likes to like go to Target and, and just walk Target because that's what pregnant ladies like to do. She likes to look at all the new clothes and all of the new things that you can buy when you're pregnant and like the different types of baby monitors and I wake up and I go, hey, you want to go to Target? And she just looks down and then looks back up and she's crying. (laughs) I'm like, we don't have to go to Target. We can go to Shields or something. We find something cool for my baby there. A couple weeks ago, we were starting to paint the baby's room. And so like, I'm getting in the mode, right? I'm like getting like my dad clothes on. I'm turning on some like 80s tunes, you know? My wife, she can't be near fumes while I'm painting because she's pregnant. So she's out in the living room and she's preparing dinner and she's trying this new meal. It was like, it was like peppers and potatoes and carrots and sausage or whatever. And you, you put them all in the oven, you like roast them, I don't know. And I'm painting and I'm singing to the top of my lungs and I hear the oven go off and, and she's saying, hey, dinner's ready. And I'm like, okay, I'll be out in a minute. And I'm still singing and I'm dancing. And 10 minutes goes by and I don't hear from my wife. I'm like, babe, you okay? And I don't hear anything. It's just silent. So I'm still painting and I'm dancing and, and I go, babe, you okay? Still nothing. 
So I go, okay, something's going on. So I put the paintbrush down, wrap it up. I walk out of the room into the living room and she's sitting on the couch, just sobbing. I'm like, what happened? She goes, I burnt the meal. She's sobbing because she burnt the meal. And so I'm like, sweetheart, it's okay. It'll still taste good. She's like, no, it's so bad. And I ate the meal and it truly did taste amazing. And I've come to find in pregnancy that there is anything, good or bad, that can set my wife off in a wave of emotions. And so you wake up trying to be like an extra sensitive husband because you kind of don't know what you're going to get. And I've come to find that this is but a drop in the ocean of the way we feel towards God sometimes. That we don't know what we're going to get. And I get the sense that, in fact, this is actually one of the primary reasons we have a hard time going to God with hard questions and hard things. Because I think we wrestle with what is he going to do or how is he going to respond? Will he respond? I think sometimes this is why we don't pray prayers for healing. This is why we kind of stop praying prayers in faith is because We either doubt that God will ever answer us or we just genuinely don't know God well enough to where we're we're kind of scared of how he will respond. And I think that it's because of that reason and it's likely because every person maybe at some point in your life has felt that with the Lord that we have this last statement in the Lord's prayer. Lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. I wanna break these down in two sta- the, the two statements tonight and kind of unpack both of them. The first one being, lead us not into temptation. Lead us not into temptation. The, the Greek word that is used here for temptation, I'm gonna do the best I can to pronounce it, is pyrosmos. Everyone say pyrosmos. We have Dr. Michelle Anthony in here, so she could probably correct my Greek if I'm saying that incorrectly. Pyrosmos. And the the translation for this word temptation can be used as trial, proving, testing. And I find this language helpful for us to know when we're talking about this word, lead us not into temptation. So another way that we could say this is, Lord, lead us, lead us not into testing. Lead us not into trial. Lead us not into a season of proving. Lead us not. And, and I think this is a significant statement for us to look at because it's almost kind of worded in the negative. Lead us not. Lead us not into temptation. Two things that I think that this statement in the Lord's prayer is revealing to us. And the first is this, we can put that on the screen, that God is giving us permission to pray for his intervention in hard things. That he in fact is inviting us to pray for him to step in when it comes to healing. He's asking us to to pray to him to step in when life gets hard. He's asking us to pray to him to step in when we see a situation pointed south and we want to see his intervention to see things go back, right? This is what we just did 10 minutes ago with Russia and the Ukraine, right? This is what the world, the church all over the world is doing right now. We're asking God to intervene, to to lead us not into this moment of testing, of trial, of having to prove. 
A couple of weeks ago, we were, we gathered as a staff. We had a member of our staff. She, she got a diagnosis two months ago with cancer. And we gathered as a staff in the World Prayer Center. We just began to cry out that the Lord would heal her body. And in some ways, this can be a different prayer, right? Like we, we can have those prayers where it's like, like, Lord, come and, and have your way. Would you do what you're going to do in this situation? And yet, with us saying in the same prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done, he also invites us to pray, lead us not into temptation. He invites us to, to say, hey, look, you can look at the, the difficult trials in your life and ask me to intervene. And I think we are hesitant to make this request because we are never certain of God's answer. Will he step in? Will he heal? Will he not heal? And I feel the longer that you walk in faith, you come to terms with sometimes God won't give us that answer. Sometimes he will. I remember I shared this story at Desperation Conference this last summer that as a kid, I had some major stomach issues. I had stomach ulcers to where every night I felt I was gonna throw up and every night I had extremely sharp pains to where every night I started sleeping in the bathroom, just right by the toilet because I didn't wanna have to puke in my room. I didn't like sleeping with a bowl by my bed. So I just started sleeping in the bathroom every night, every night, months Months, like I started to have like all of the back issues that a 11 year old could have because I was sleeping on a bathroom floor and I was over here in the worship center around in section uh, four or five and I'm standing there and I'll never forget John Bevere, he's standing on the stage and he just begins to pray for healing across the room. And he's standing from the stage and he says, I feel I'm hearing from the Lord right now that someone in this room has been wrestling with sharp stomach pain that has caused you to have restless nights of sleep where you're on the verge of puking every night and it's been going on for months. And he's like, and I just hear the Lord saying in the name of Jesus right now, you are healed. And I remember sitting in that row right there, sitting down knowing that was for me. And all of a sudden the pain just left. It left. Yeah, we can praise God for that. When I was 13 years old, I, I went to Kampala, Uganda on a two-week missions trip and we were traveling around to different orphan homes and schools and we were preaching the gospel and at the end of preaching the gospel, we'd, be just, we'd begin to welcome kids and students forward for prayer and I'll never forget, we were at this high school and there was a kid named Moses who was, what seemed to be, he was paralyzed from the waist down, been, been in a wheelchair his entire life, entire life. His name was Moses. They have the coolest names over there. And we begin to call people forward for prayer and we're sitting there, we're praying and I'm 13 years old, still going through puberty. I can't talk five words without my voice cracking. And I have six kids that come over and they grab me and they start yanking on my shirt. And they say, come here, come here, come here, come here. And so they pull me over to this kid named Moses. And they say, he can't move his legs. He can't move his legs. Will you pray for him? And I look over at my, my buddy Tyler Caldwell, he's at, he was in high school at the time. I'm in junior high at the time. And I say, will you come and will you pray with me? And he comes and we just begin to pray over this young man. His legs from hip to ankle, smaller than my wrists because he hasn't used them his entire life. We begin to pray and he begins to start kicking his legs. 
he begins to start kicking his legs and, and lifting them up. And, and he begins to start trying, saying, and you can see tears starting to come down his face. And he's freaking out because he can move his legs. And you're watching all the kids right there just, just praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I've watched God answer prayer so many moments in my life. And we gathered as a staff three weeks ago and we interceded for the life of this staff member. And she passed away last week. This makes no sense, right? How can we watch God do the miraculous? Like why, why, why would we watch God do that and not answer a prayer over here? And it's because of this reality that we see God maybe answer prayer sometimes and not other times that we begin to wrestle with this fundamental question. God, will you answer my prayer? So why should I even ask you? Why shouldn't I just say your kingdom come, your will be done? And brothers and sisters, I need you to hear me. Your kingdom come, your will be done is in the same prayer as lead us not into temptation. We can cry out to God to intervene. Why? Because he is a God who intervenes. He's a God who steps in. And we see this all throughout scripture in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. We watch God intervene and split the Red Sea. We watch God provide manna from heaven. We watch God just absolutely topple the walls of Jericho without Israel having to throw a single thing. We watched God do these things. We go into the New Testament. We watch Jesus heal a paralytic. We watch Jesus command the wind and waves. We watch Jesus say, Lazarus, come forth. We watch him do it over and over and over again. This is our God. He's a God who intervenes. And the invitation of this statement is for us to say, God, will you intervene? Would you lead us not into times of testing? Would you lead us not into times of trial? Would you, would you lead us not into times of temptation? And it's okay for us to pray that to the Lord. We can pray for God to intervene, but that's not the only thing that this statement is telling us. The second thing that we see in this first statement is that God will lead us into situations where we will be tested, right? Like we see this all throughout scripture, that God, God doesn't just say, I'm gonna make your life sunshine and rainbows once you give your life to me, right? Like every person in this room You've lived at least 14, 15, 16, 17, or 18 years of life, barring you're a volunteer or a leader in here. And you know that there are times in life where God allows you to go through trial. And the question is why? Why would he allow us to go through trial? He's God. Wouldn't it be better if life was much easier? And James gives us an answer. If we go to James chapter one, starting in verse two, we're gonna read verse two and verse three. And we'll skip down later. He says this, count it all joy. Everyone say joy. I love this word. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials. I want you to see that I boldened that. You know why I bolded it and underlined it? Because it's the same Greek word that he uses when he says, lead me not into temptation. Count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing, everyone say testing, Testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Let's jump down to verse 13. 
Then James says this, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. Again, the same Greek word. For God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire when it is conceived gives birth to sin and sin when it is fully grown brings forth death. So what is James saying right here? I mean, this is like strong language, strong language. He's like, look, and don't, don't say that God is the one who's tempting you. God's not the one who is tempting you, but he is allowing you to go through seasons and moments of testing and temptation and trial. Why? Well, we see it there in verse two and three. It produces something in us. That the reason why God brings us through testing, the reason why God allows us to enter into seasons of temptation is he wants to produce in us maturity. This is how he grows his church. And here's the thing, like, like why is that so important? Why is maturity for the believer? Like why is growth for the maturity important? Because the alternative is death. And you see that at the end of verse 15 there where he's saying, look, don't say that God is tempting you, but each person is tempted when they're lured away by their own desire. And the desire when it is full grown gives birth to sin. And when sin is full grown, it gives birth to death. What he's saying here, brothers and sisters, is there's no such thing as a cruise control Christian. You with me? There's no such thing as, as kind of putting your faith on neutral or in coast mode. There's no such thing as that. There is, there is those who are enduring seasons of temptation, of trial, of testing, and through it, they are being grown. They are being matured. They are being developed as followers of Jesus. And the alternative is death. This is why in Revelation chapter three, when he's writing to the church of Laodicea, he says, you are neither hot nor cold. You are lukewarm and I spit you out of my mouth. My people cannot be a lukewarm people. My believers cannot be lukewarm believers. They have to be those who are growing in maturity. They have to be growing in faith. How do we grow in faith? He leads us into seasons of testing, trial, temptation, as Jesus uses in the Lord's prayer, lead us not into temptation. So what he's saying here is that though there will be times where God leads us into temptation or leads us into testing or leads us into trial, we can pray that that wouldn't be the case. We can pray in confidence for a sister who is on her deathbed for God to lead her not into a time of testing, but to deliver her from evil. Are you with me? Like this is the invitation of this first part that we would believe that God is a God who intervenes and that because God loves us and because God wants to grow us into mature men and women in the faith, he will at times lead us into times of testing and trial and temptation. He's not a sunshine and rainbows, whiskers on kittens type of God. He's a God who loves us enough to produce Steadfastness, But then we have this, this, this second statement here. The, it, it pivots and it says, but deliver us from evil or other translations say from the evil one. And I think this is important. 
I think that second part there, evil one is important because what we need to see here is that evil in fact is personified. There is an enemy out there who seeks to steal, to kill and destroy your lives. This is why Paul in Ephesians chapter six, verse 12 said, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. There is an enemy out there who seeks like a roaring lion to devour your experience in Jesus Christ, my experience in Jesus Christ. All that he seeks to do is rob us of what God has given us fully in the person of Jesus Christ. It's not just simply like evil circumstances. Some theologians and scholars have come to believe that, that what, what this statement means, like deliver us, is he's talking about the, the great tribulation, the eschatological like end of time sort of tribulation that is to come. Like deliver us from the evil one. But what we're getting after here is that there is an evil one who, 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 who likes to, to, to tempt and to lure and to draw your heart, to draw your affections away from God himself. And wouldn't it be nice if the Christian faith meant that when we gave our lives to Jesus and submitted our life to the Lord, that we never have to face this evil one? that we don't have to see him anymore, that you know what, like, like it's all taken care of. It's good. We don't, we, don't have to, we don't have to deal with this evil one anymore. Like life can be good, but that's not what we see in the life of Jesus, is it? Matthew chapter three, we have Jesus going to get baptized. He comes out of the waters of baptism. I mean, he's having this spiritual high moment right, where the heavens open up and the spirit descends like a dove and they hear a voice from heaven saying, this is my son whom I love and with whom I am well pleased. Like, like this awe-inspiring heaven meet earth moment. And then you know what happens in Matthew chapter four? Let me show you. Matthew chapter four, starting in verse one. It starts by saying this. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. Same word that we see in the Lord's prayer. Same word that we saw in James. To be tempted by the devil. I want you to notice that it doesn't say tempted by circumstances. It doesn't say tempted by hard seasons. It doesn't say tempted by difficult circumstances. No, Again, evil is personified to be tempted by the devil. Verse two, and after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus was hungry. Amen. He wanted some water burger. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. 
For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands, they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Verse eight, again, the devil, evil personified, took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And the enemy said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. I love this verse. I love this passage. One, because the enemy takes it between the legs, which is so fun to watch. But more so, because we see a moment in our Savior's life where he is weak, where he is fragile, where he was led into temptation. He was led into a moment where life was difficult. He hadn't eaten for 40 days and the enemy comes to him with all sorts of pleasures, all sorts of treats, all sorts of good things. And you know why I have hope in the moments where I am feeling weak? I feel like I'm in a season of testing. I feel like I'm in a season of trial. I feel like I'm in a season of brokenness. I feel like I'm in a season of weariness. I feel like I'm in a season of anxiety. I feel like I'm in a season of frustration. You know why I have hope? Because this passage proves that my savior knows how I feel. And the author of Hebrews says this, Hebrews chapter four, 15 and 16, last two verses. You put these on the screen. He says this, for we do not have a high priest, he's talking about Jesus, who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. What if deliverance, what if, brothers and sisters, the thing that you're crying out to God for, what if that looks like God calling you into the wilderness to face off with the enemy? Or as the psalmist says in Psalm 23, preparing a table for you in the presence of your enemies. Can I get the worship team to go ahead and come back up? What if, you asking God to deliver you out of whatever situation or whatever hard circumstance or, or looking at what's taking place in the world right now is going to require us taking in the full reality that there is an evil one. But I want you to pay attention to the words here and pay attention to every single petition that has taken place in this prayer thus far. Is Jesus informing us for us to not lead ourselves into temptation and for us to deliver ourselves from the evil one? Is he petitioning that in this prayer? No. 
Who is he petitioning to not lead us into temptation and to deliver us from the evil one? He's petitioning God. And that's something that we have to catch that we never, ever, ever, ever are meant to deliver ourselves. Can you stand with me? Never meant to deliver ourselves. Do you know what this statement, this petition is a petition of? Those four words that we were singing at the end of the top of the set, I depend on you. There's only one way we are ever delivered from the evil one. There's only one way that we're ever thwarted away from a trial, a test, a season of temptation. And that's if God steps in. And here's our good news. Here's our good news is that no matter what, no matter whether you see your prayer answered or not, no matter whether you see that pain go away in this lifetime or not, no matter whether World War III breaks out or not, no matter what, God delivers. And you know our proof is in the person of Jesus Christ. A hope is not in the fact that we might see relief from the pain of today. Our hope is in the fact that death has lost its sting for eternity. Our hope is in the fact that sin no longer has the superior power, the superior hold over our lives, but that the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus delivers us. Can you bow your head? I wanna give you a moment simply to respond. I wanna give you a moment to depend on him. I wanna give you a moment to step out in faith again. I think there's a, there's a couple invitations for us as we come to the end of this series, looking into these statements. One is that I think there are some of you in here who have stopped praying for God to intervene because either one, you are afraid of his answer or you doubt that he is a God who wants to intervene. And I get the sense this evening that God wants to invite you into faith again to ask him. Ask him, pray for that healing. Pray for that circumstance to change. Pray for your parents' marriage. Pray for freedom from that addiction that you have been wrestling with so long that you just can't seem to get rid of. Pray for freedom from those dark and morbid thoughts that continue to assault your mind. Pray. 
pray for that friend or for that person at your school who it seems like they will never come to know the Lord. Pray for that family member who continues to just kind of recycle back into the same pattern of sin and, 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 and brokenness. Pray, believe that God is a God who intervenes. I believe God wants to reawaken that faith in some of us this evening. Two, some of you are in a season, in a moment of trial, of testing, of temptation right now, and it is hard. You are weary and you are tired. You're weary and you're tired. And I think you just need to hear the Lord say, I am with you. I have never left you. I care about you growing as my son, as my daughter. I value bringing you into maturity so that you can delight and enjoy me all the more, all the more intimately. So though you are still walking through this, though this is a painful moment in your life, you are not alone. He is with you. He is with you. And here is the promise that he gives you, is that he will fight for you. You need only to receive. You need only to surrender. He will fight for you. He will not leave you. He will not abandon you. His rod and his staff will comfort you. They will take care of you. So I believe he wants to awaken faith to pray for the impossible. I believe that he wants to reveal to us that he is with us in trial because he is making us mature young men and women, producing steadfastness in us so that we would be complete and lacking nothing. And I believe that he wants to remind us that there is an evil one who seeks to rob all of us of the experience and the joy and the gift that we have in Jesus Christ. And he simply wants us to remember that God delivers. He delivers. Which means that you are going to have to depend on him. You're gonna have to depend on him. So I believe that we might have people in all three of those categories tonight, in one of those categories tonight, in two of those categories tonight. Either way, I believe God wants to reveal himself to us. So I wanna be able to invite you to, to find a spot, to find a place where you can just simply be with the Lord. We're gonna go into this song. I love this song. John Egan wrote this and in a moment that was so significant for our church. It talks about that we will overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And I love it because it's a, it's a song that forces us in a season of trial, in a moment where we're crying out for faith or in a moment where we're asking God to deliver us from the evil one to fix our eyes on 
Jesus. So Heavenly Father, we come before you. And whether you need to reawaken our faith tonight, whether you need to remind us tonight that you are with us in the storm, and whatever temptation and whatever test and whatever trial is being gone through here, or whether you're needing to remind us that you deliver, you deliver. I pray you would give us eyes to see it, ears to hear it, minds to understand it, and hearts to believe it. Heavenly Father, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Thanks again for listening to this message from New Life Student Ministries. If you want to keep up with what's happening with us, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at NL Student Ministries.